Muddy Waters Clear Vision. Welcome to Muddy Waters Clear Vision, the podcast that dives deep into the journeys of Louisiana's most successful entrepreneurs. We'll traverse their humble beginnings, celebrate the coaches and leaders who guided them, and explore their unique leadership styles. Together, we'll uncover the muddiest moments of their career, the challenges that turned into blessings, the obstacles that transformed into stepping stones. Our guests will pass on their hard-earned lessons to the next generation of entrepreneurs and discuss the enduring impact they aim to make. As we navigate the waters of their past, we'll also glimpse into their future. Where are they heading next? So join us as we chart the path from muddy waters to a clear vision. Today, we have John Ragsdale, who is the founder and CEO of The App Place, Tap Innovations. Um, it's the integrated digital toolbox to eliminate an organization's manual efforts and spreadsheets, which I love, the mess, that's great, <laughs> through amazing web and mobile solutions. Uh, John currently provides executive leadership, implementing proven processes within a robust and agile IT strategy for optimal business performance and growth. So, John, welcome today and uh, look forward to getting a chance to hang out with you for a little while. Awesome. It's great to be here. Appreciate you inviting me and uh, again, excited to, uh, to share my story. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start with that. Let's start at the beginning here. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where are you from, early life. No, great question. So uh, I actually grew up in uh, in South Georgia, um, and crazy enough, I'll tell people I actually grew up a Georgia fan. Um, my dad went to Georgia, but uh, you know, coming out of high school, I really wanted to study engineering, and my oldest sister had gone to Georgia Tech, so I didn't want to go there. I'd been following her for a long time, so. Look for colleges in the southeast, and LSU offered the most scholarship money. And this was back in the late 80s. And so really had a passion for solving problems, right? I studied industrial engineering uh, at LSU, got my bachelor's uh, there. And again, just really love solving problems and, and figuring out ways to, uh, to improve processes, which is kind of at the heart of what uh, industrial engineering is all about. But I started there and, you know, went to, went to LSU and, and really, you know, caught the fire and, and now bleed purple and gold. And, you know, I convinced my dad to become an LSU fan and, and met my wife there. Wow. She, uh, my wife is from Slidell, so she's a, a Louisianian. And um, we met at LSU and, uh, and, and just had a great experience there. I was, you know, involved in Greek life, involved in leadership. Leadership LSU was a, a great program. Uh, Randy Gurry is a, a gentleman who, uh, who, has, I guess, got that started. And, and even, crazy enough, was a co-leader with uh, Mike Johnson, right, our new uh, Speaker of the House. So he and I went to, to school together, and my wife was in leadership LSU. So a lot of connections. And then, uh, but I really wanted to get into IT, right? Uh, technology was my passion. Now, back in LSU, I was taking things like Fortran and <laughs> some crazy old uh, uh, technology classes, but it fired me up. And uh, I even co-opt up in the uh, the Grand Gulf uh, Nuclear Station, just south of, uh, of Vicksburg, and um, so got got fired up about that. Went to Atlanta, started my career at Anderson Consulting, which is now Accenture, and, and I was only there two or three years. But they taught me how to run an IT project, 
right? I, it was a great consulting situation, traveled around the country and the typical, you know, young professional type thing, but I got a great foundation and I realized, again, IT was, was where I really wanted to be. I realized, and this was, you know, mid, late 90s, wanted to be an IT leader, right? Which at the time, the, the new and up and coming IT leader was a CIO, right? Chief Information Officer. Right. And so I really wanted to, to be in that role. I really loved working with people and leading people. And uh, again, working with technology all in the same thing. And, and so did that, stayed in Atlanta for about 12 years, got married, had three kids, and, and then realized that strategically, I needed to find ways to grow in my career. And so uh, left Atlanta, actually came to Baton Rouge, right? Did some work at Blue Cross Blue Shield, some independent consulting work. Didn't stay long, right? I did some you know, uh, work there and then found another position over at Charlotte for a big consulting firm, CGI. But then I came back to Louisiana. Really you know, interesting story how I got called back, but uh, became the CIO for the Louisiana Department of Health. So big organization, right? Largest department in the state needed technology help. So it was, it was my first CIO role and for a really big organization. And uh, again, you know, cut my teeth. <laughs> Tough to work in, in state government. <laughs> Tough to stay there long. Left there, went to Dallas and been in a number of CIO roles. But then I realized that I really wanted to own my own business. And so five years ago, built out of things that I was doing as a CIO, we, myself, my business partner and I formed TAP. And, and as you just described, we looked for problems in and, in and around organizations from 20 million to 900 million. Actually, they even saw this at uh, DHH. And I think at the time they were an $8 billion organization. And you're right. We just looked for messes, manual efforts and spreadsheets. And, and we brought tools to the table to solve those. But that's kind of my career. And here, uh, you know, we can go deeper in a little bit in terms of TAP, but really passionate about, again, solving problems, solving business problems, leveraging technology. Yeah, that's great. I feel like I just got the uh, the elevator ride up to like the 48th floor, right? <laughs> that's awesome. All right, so here's the deal. I'm actually going to take a step back. Okay. And I want to know about Georgia when you were actually growing up. Sure. Tell me this. Was there anybody that you can point back to from, from a leader, a coach, hmm. a mentor, who you can kind of point to that says, you know, that they probably have had the most impact on me as a leader? It's a great question. Who was that? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to say my dad. Um, my, okay. my dad was a really influential in my life. And again, grew up in South Georgia, just the corner of uh, Georgia, just north of Tallahassee in a town called Albany, Georgia. My dad was in agricultural chemicals and uh, he was a sales guy, but I grew up playing sports, right? And, and my dad was a, a coach, right? And we played everything from mm. football to basketball to baseball to soccer, you know, kind of the typical stuff that a kid would do. But I learned a ton of lessons just playing sports, right? And then watching my dad coach me, you know, both as a coach and as a dad, right? And, and I've done that too for my kids. So it's a, it's a fine line, right? You have to be, uh, play that line, but, but just really learned a lot. He was also, uh, and he's no longer alive, but it's strong Christian. So he helped me become who I am from a Christian standpoint, from a faith standpoint. And just, you know, he, he and my mom were, were married for 60 years, right? Just had a great family and a great marriage and, and set the, the example 
you know, for me as a kid. But I can remember, you know, I'll give you one example. When I was nine, I was the quarterback for our, you know, Pop Warner team, and my dad was the coach. And there was one uh, particular team that uh, was going to be a really hard team to beat. And we were coming up against them in the playoffs. And there was this one kid who was just, you know, a beast. And, and you know, us little nine-year-olds couldn't, couldn't tackle him. But he came up with a plan. And uh, he said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to figure out how to gang tackle this guy. And, and I think his, the kid's name, last name was Green. How do I remember that from nine years old? But it, it, this, you know, stood out to me. So he said, hey, every time you get a tackle, I'm going to give each of you a, a thing of M&Ms. And so that fired us up to, you know, every time he got the ball, we all just gang tackled and somebody kept a, you know, a log of that. Well, we ended up winning the game, right? And then we actually went all the way to the, the city championship, right, as a nine-year-old. But another lesson in all of that was a couple of days before the city championship, I was playing basketball and I jammed my thumb. And it was my right thumb. And so I couldn't play, right? I was going into the city championship and I couldn't play. Of course, I was really upset. But my dad helped me understand and and think about, you know, what that meant. And of course, you know, I was pouting and crying. He said, no, I need you to come be on the sideline, right? You're still part of the team. So just the lessons like, you know, life lessons like that were, were really impactful to me as a kid in South Georgia with my dad. That's awesome. What did your dad do for a career besides being an awesome coach and father? <laughs> <laughs> he was a, a largely a sales guy gotcha. and uh, he sold ag chemicals. But then later in life, I guess when I was a, a teenager, he started his own business. He had a couple of different businesses, but he started his own mail order pecan business. And so I guess that's a, a little bit where I've got some of my entrepreneurial spirit, right? How to start a company and of course, we as a family worked in the business, right? I remember many hours sitting by the kitchen table shelling pecans and having your fingers all torn up. But but I watched him start and run a business and, and so, you know, even helped him a couple of years, you know, here and there, you know, part time, you know, I was in college, but uh, uh, that's what he did. What was that like for you as a son, like a teenager to see your dad take that leap of faith? What was that like for you? You know, it, one, it was exciting. I used to, because he had a, you know, a sign that said Ragsdale Pecans and everybody in the town of Albany knew Tom Ragsdale and, and his business. So we were always proud of our dad and, and what he had put together. I, now, when I look back, right, you know, at the time I didn't, I didn't know his numbers or profitability. I think it was really hard for him. Right. I think uh, when I look back and knowing what I know about, you know, the family, I think it was a big challenge for him to start a business and, you know, lead a family and, and turn a profit. He, you know, he ran it for, I'm going to say seven or eight years. And eventually I think it just got to be too much. And then he just moved into real estate. But just watching him be a leader. And of course, he was a huge extrovert, right? He never met a stranger and always shaking hands. And so from that standpoint, that made a big impression on me in a lot of different ways. But uh, at the time as a teenager, of course, I groaned and and complained when I had to go help, you know, dad on a Saturday afternoon. I'm like, oh, dad, I really want to do something else. But <laughs> I can look back and those were some good lessons to learn. That's awesome. Well, um, I want to ask you this. So how would you describe yourself as a leader? You know, how do I describe myself as a leader? And I'll use a frame, I'll talk about a framework that I didn't come up with, but but a, a mentor of mine came up with, and it and it models my approach to uh, to leadership really well. And he called it the circle of growth. We call it the circle of growth 
growth as well. A gentleman by the name of Paul Spiegelman, he was a CEO of a company called Barrel Health in Dallas, who I went to work for as a CIO and and helped him grow the business over two or three years and built his technology environment. And then he sold and, and now he's, you know, kind of this entrepreneur, obviously made some money, but his circle of growth program works like this. At the top of the circle, call it 12 o'clock, is the team member. And the goal is to invest in the team member, support the team member, provide tools, provide all these things to make, uh, put the, the team member in a position for success. Now, if you do that and you do that well, then the team members will deliver amazing client service. So you go from 12 o'clock to three o'clock. So three o'clock is the client, right? Clients are going to be wildly satisfied. Now, if clients are wildly satisfied, then obviously they're going to pay you revenue. Revenue comes at the six o'clock on the circle. And then out of revenue, you derive profits at nine o'clock. And then you take a portion of your profits and you reinvest in your team members. Now, this is something that we've applied here at, at TAP. But really, I I kind of had this same model over the years as a IT leader and, and the multiple teams that I've led, but it really, I, you know, I've, I've leveraged his terminology and, and, you know, his model, but that's really it. I devote so much of my efforts into my team to put them in a position for success because I know it's not all about me. Right. Obviously, I want to leverage my talents and capabilities, but is really investing in the team and finding those folks and empowering them to be successful. How clear is that to your team? Super clear. In fact, you know, obviously we've got it on the walls at, at work, but I talk about it a lot. In fact, we have a, a department leader meeting every Friday where we bring in our department leaders. And the first item on the agenda is, hey, I want everybody to share a culture example. Now, Circle of growth is a part of it. There's another uh, component, our uh, core values, our ownership, thoroughness, communication, and closure, so they can share an example of that. And then I've got a breakdown of those two into a set of uh, team member expectations. But literally, we take the first five minutes of that meeting every week, and I want folks to share an example of, you know, it could be last week, and it could be any team member. I use that word very intentionally. It could be an employee. It could be a vendor. It could be somebody else, but we're all part of the same team, and I want folks to share those examples. Now, folks can share a positive example. Absolutely. You know, you want to share five positive things and, and maybe one constructive, but I do open it up that we're all coachable enough to say, hey, look, was there an area where we could have done better in our circle of growth or you know, uh, core values? So very, very important. And I tell people, hey, I want you to come prepared, bring one or two or three examples so they're thinking about it throughout the week. And then I want them, the leaders, to take that same discussion, kind of the daily thinking about this into their teams as well. And this is very interesting, and I, I very much love where your head is. I'm curious, what percentage of your meeting takes up this? Um, like I said, we, we focus, I'll say the first five to seven minutes okay. right, of every uh, team meeting. Now, that being said, it really is pervasive in all that we do. Right. I tell folks, hey, I want you to be thinking about circle of growth, our core values. Uh, the acronym is OTCC, ownership, thoroughness, communication, closure. Be thinking about those things literally throughout your day, because what it does is it helps us all become you know, more productive and higher performing. We don't really want to be thinking about, hey, how should we? You want that to just be part of your DNA. And if we're constantly talking about it and I said, hey, 
go out of your way when you say, hey, good job, you know, say why that was a good job, right? If you saw somebody, you know, communicating well, say, you know what, that was a great example of communication, one of our core values. And so people reemphasize that and, and are talking about it on a regular basis. Yeah, I love that. And I love the intentionality that you're putting to that. So I would imagine, I believe you, I would imagine if I sat down with one of your employees, they'd be like, no, he's really clear about this. We start our meetings that way. So that's, that's awesome. So I want to, I want to, oh, go ahead. And what's, what, yeah. I'll add one more piece to it. So sure. over the years, right, I've been in, I don't know, 14 or so different roles, right? Different companies. And so what's been fun at TAP is I've been able to kind of bring my A-team to TAP. Now, I won't say everybody at TAP is, is a group of, or a, someone who that I've hired or worked with in the past, but I'll say about 60, 70% of my team have worked with me before. So the Kevins and the Stevens, they're people that worked for me before, they already knew about the circle of growth and OTCC before. So they came in to TAP with that same, and oh yeah, John, you talked about that 10 years ago. So it's neat to, to kind of keep those same themes across the different teams that I've led. Yeah. So here's what I'm curious about. Who modeled that for you? It's a great question. I'll say a number of people. One, I mentioned Paul Spiegelman, right? I worked for him in, uh, mm-hmm. gosh, it was 2011, 2012, right? If I go way back, and this is an interesting situation. I worked for a gentleman who was a great, I'll say a good leader, great leader, but there were some parts of his style that I just didn't really like, right? He was a harsh leader. And, and so I actually learned what not to do. Right. I kind of said, you know what? I and I listened and I learned a ton from him, but I realized, okay, there's some things that I'm I'm not gonna do it that way, right? I'm gonna do it differently. And actually what what's interesting, one of my uh, staff member expectations, the last one, is hey, I want everybody to have a pen, paper, mobile device, something to write things down as we come up with ideas, right? Could be a client or could be somebody that comes up with an idea. Well, that particular story comes way back from 1996 when I was walking down the hall with this one particular leader and we were walking down the hall and he said, hey, I want you to remember this. And, you know, okay, great. We walked down the hall. Two days later, he said, hey, what's the status of that thing? And I looked at him like, oh, uh, I kind of forgot. And of course he lit into me and he said, don't ever, ever let that happen again. Hmm. All right. Point taken. So after that, I said, you know what? I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to make sure that I have a pen or a piece of paper or a business card. Now we've got phones to write down those ideas. And so I don't forget <laughs> stuff, right? If somebody's going to bring up something. And so I remind my team, I said, you know, it's so, and of course I'm not like that to get on him, but I said, you will, a customer will really appreciate it. If they mention one thing and you take note of that, and then you come back with a proposal or a solution, whatever, and you say, hey, I heard you say this, and here's the solution, that person is going to appreciate it. So it's just a little bit extra. So anyway, that was one example. But one uh, uh, one guy who really stood out, his name is Randy Curvin, and he was my manager leader when I was at CGI up in um, a consulting firm up in Charlotte. And I'll give you one example that just really changed my life in the world world of communication. So I come into that role and I had a 50 person uh, offshore team in India and I had a 30, 40 
person team in Charlotte. Now, I had worked with offshore teams before, right? So I was well-versed in communicating and, and, you know, they spoke English and no issues. Well, I remember when I first got to that job, I got on the speaker phone, right? And there was a, I don't know, say 15 people on the phone. I could not understand anything they were saying. Now, they were speaking English, but I was having a really hard time. And I was like, oh, man, how am I going to do this, right? I got to lead this team, and I just don't understand them. So I went back and talked to my manager, mentor, coach, Randy. And I said, Randy, man, what do I do? And he said, you know what? Here's what you need to do. I'm going to send you to India. I'm going to send you over there for two weeks, and I want you to get to know them. I said, okay, right? I've never been to India, but I'll go. And so sure enough, I went over there, and they were the most hospitable people in the world, right? I mean, I went, we went hiking, we went to movies, and of course, I didn't understand anything in the movies, but, but <laughs> and we went out to dinner, and we, and of course, we worked, but it was a, just a different level of getting to know them, and I, I got to know all of them, and their personalities, and their humor, and what they liked and didn't like, so just an amazing trip. Well, what was really interesting, when I got back, next week, we're on the phone, and I understood everybody perfectly, right? I knew that that was Archana talking, or that was Jayesh talking, and that was Rajiv, and I knew their humor and their inflection, and I thought, wow, what an amazing lesson to learn about communication and building relationships and getting to know people, and again, really came from that mentor leader. Now, he since has referred me to other positions and, and helped me along in my career. He was you know, much senior to me at, at the time, but what a great lesson to learn about communication. Yeah, that is, that is unbelievable. And um, I, that's a story that needs to be told. So I'm glad you're here today. Telling <laughs> that's, that's really powerful. All right. So I want to move to the challenges around your entrepreneurial journey. It sounds like you've had a ton of experience of not only being an employee, but also in a leadership role as an employee. But now let's think about 2017 is when you became the entrepreneur. It is. Yeah. November, it was November uh, 2017. So six years ago. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. All right. So we're six years into the saddle here. Talk to me about what have been some of those biggest challenges, some of those muddiest, uh, or as we like to call it, right, the muddy waters. What would have been the things that have really created that the, the most amount of friction that you feel like have become a blessing for you? Yeah, great. I'll share a couple of things. One, you know, I'll, uh, some of this I'll tell the story. So we got started 2018. I'll say it was really just a, I'll call it a side hustle, right? My business partner and I, he actually has worked for me in every position since 2006. So he's just one of those employees that you want with with you everywhere and so we you know came together and said all right let's start this thing huh how do we do this right you got a family i got a family i got a career corporate job you can't just quit so we're kind of figuring out the first year or so just let's develop some things and test it out 2019 we got a beta customer so we at least got started i took a few months off in 2019 of my cio career to think about marketing and sales. I did get a business coach, really highly recommend getting a business coach, right? The, the firm we used was Action Coach. They're a franchise system and the, the gentleman, Doug, out of, out of Houston, highly, highly recommend. He just helped me, you know, understand that. But the, probably the biggest challenge, right? If I kind of fast forward into uh, to 2020, we, uh, 2019, okay, we had some momentum going, but I couldn't step away and pay myself the salary that I, so I had to get another CIO role. 
I hired a sales guy in, in January of 2020. So things look good, decent pipeline. And of course, the world stopped in March of 2020 uh, with COVID and the pandemic. And then we're all kind of scratching our heads. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? But we stayed with it, right? And I tell people that we, we begged and borrowed. We didn't steal, right? <laughs> but we figured out a way to stay afloat. And, um, but what was really interesting, and this is the story I'll tell, I kept a relationship going with, you know, my network. And so one gentleman in particular is a sales guy for uh, Paycor HR software. His name is Bo Wellborn, good friend of mine. He had sold to me in some other situations prior to him being at Paycor. And, but fast forward into 2020, he was trying to sell his software to, to clients. And clients would buy it, but then they would come to him and say, hey, look, you know, I like your software, but I really need it to integrate with some other system learning management system, a CRM or point of sale or something. So I'm not going to buy your software unless you can integrate it. Well, Bo couldn't get, you know, that's not Paycor's strength. And so he turned to me and this was in the summer of 2020. Hey, John, can you do this? And I said, absolutely. This is our bread and butter. We, we absolutely do it. So he said, all right, you're really small. We were a $150,000 comp- company at the time, and you know, Paycor is a $500 million company. So we're not even close in size, but he said, let me get you an introduction. So he got us an introduction. We met with a director of partnerships, and she kind of just laughed and said, you guys are just way too small. I said, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I will, they had one in particular because he was going to lose this deal with a company called Urban Air. Now, if you hadn't heard of Urban Air, it's a trampoline park, right? If you've heard about these trampoline parks, they've got 150 of them around the country. They're based in Dallas, really big company, but they were going to walk away. And so I said, you know what? We will do the integration for free. I won't charge anybody. And, and by the way, I'm going to build it in two weeks. And they said, hmm, all right, that's as low risk as you can get. It's not going to cost anything. And if you don't do it in two weeks, all right, nothing's lost. I'm like, give, it, give us a shot. Well, we did just that. We built it in two weeks. Right, we did it for free. Now, that was the last one I did for free. But And Urban Air, <laughs> Urban Air loved it, and Bo won the deal, right? And I don't know what the deal was, but I'm guessing it was probably a several hundred thousand dollar a year deal for him right? Not for me, but for him. And that started, it really just woke us up. I I do remember my bank account in August of 2020, and it had five grand in it, my my tap bank account. So we were literally about to close our doors. It's like, okay, I I don't know what's going to happen. But that woke us up. And it woke us up in a couple of different ways. Obviously, it's great to win a deal, but it woke us up to the idea of a partnership, right? It's one thing to go sell direct to a customer and have to call another one, another one, another one. But it's another to find a partnership where they really value the things that you bring. And so what happened was Bo brought other customers. He's like, wow, that's great. I'm going to bring you more. Plus then he told his friend, the other sellers at Paycor to call us. Now we are the second most referred to integration partner, actually of all partners at Paycor, right? We're their preferred integration partner. Wow. And we just signed a, a deal here three weeks ago uh, to be a partner with Paychex as well. We've just gotten really good at that work. But that was just a, it was a really challenging time for us. But uh, we kind of found a way to, to build the partnership and grow over time. I'll share one more that if, unless you got questions about that one. No, no, no. I mean, I definitely have questions, but keep going. This is good. 
The second one was in 2022. So I, at, at the end of 2021, um, I finally had the opportunity to step away from my CIO career and pay myself a salary at TAP. So it was a big deal that I could kind of say, wow, I get to be my own boss and, and lead TAP full time. Prior to that, again, it was a you know, side hustle type thing. So you know, 2022, fresh, new, getting started. Well, we had good revenue in 2021. We'd kind of gone from a $150,000 company in 2020 to a $2 million company in 2021. And so here we are coming into 2022. Things are exciting, right? I can pay myself a salary. I'll say, but we were a little bit of a one-trick pony. We had a really big staffing contract with uh, this one company. I think we had placed about 60 resources that was running for about eight to 10 months. So pretty lucrative, right? And we're all you know, thinking, gosh, this is great. But I kept looking at it going, all right, at some point, this is going to end. So we've got to think about where we're going. And sure enough, in, and in June of, of uh, 2022, that contract ended. We knew it was going to end. But I realized, wow, are we going to continue in the staffing business or not, right? And, and we weren't really cut out to be a, a staffing company. We can find resources, but it's a big effort, cost, investment, and we just didn't have those kinds of dollars. So we made a decision in the middle of 2022 that we're not going to continue staffing. If, if we have somebody you know, here and there, fine, but it's not going to be one of our top things. So that was a big, tough decision for me because that was probably 60% of my revenue <laughs> that I just made a decision. One, it ended, but at two, we're not going to go that route. So in the middle of 2022, this model that I'm about to describe to you really helped. And again, it came through my business coach at Action Coach, but they call it the five ways to profitability. I looked at it and said, all right, we're not going to have this, but we've got to diversify. Right. We've got and we had the Paycor relationship. Now, the way that works is they just simply refer customers to us and those customers become our customers. So that's good. We can upsell and you know, sell other things. But we still were, were you know, not uh, hadn't diversified as much as we could have. But this model really changed our view on how to become profitable. It's one thing to say, hey, how do you become profitable? Well, sell more. Well, it's more complicated than that. And so it's, they call it the five ways to profitability. One, you got to get qualified leads. Okay, that makes sense. You got to get people to raise their hand and say, I'm interested in your, your stuff. Two, uh, you've got to convert those qualified leads, right, at a certain rate. And then you multiply those two and that becomes the number of customers. All right, so then you have customers. So then you want multiple transactions per customer. How many can you get? Can you get one, two, three, four, right? Then the other piece is your average sale. So then you take your number of customers times the transactions times the average sale. That gives you your revenue. And then lastly is your margins, right? You know, in terms of uh, it could be your net margins, could, your, could be your, your gross margins. But you take all of that and that becomes your profitability. Now, it was, you know, okay, great, easy math formula, but what was just mind-boggling to me when my coach looked at me and said, hey, look, John, you don't have to triple your qualified agreements. If you do, great. You don't have to triple your conversion rate. You don't have to, you know, triple, quadruple your transaction per customer. You don't have to triple or quadruple any of those. What you've got to do is take each of those areas. If you just make a 5 to 10% change in qualified leads, conversion rate, transactions, average sale, margin. He said, if you do the math 
That's an exponential profitability growth. In fact, a 10% across those five ways gets you like a 60% increase in profitability. And I kept, I say, all right, I don't believe this. I put it in a spreadsheet and like, wow, that really does work. So it just, it changed the way we looked at business. You know, before we were just, hey, let's just go talk to people and see if people will buy stuff. But it really woke us up to, okay, we got to really run a company and we got to figure out, you know, different things. So it didn't, it didn't catch, you know, in July, but that's when we started working on it. It actually has taken us about 12 months to get the whole organization understanding and then actually taking action. And so what's been great, uh, we were, I'll say, barely profitable last year, just you know, a little bit over break even, you know, and we hit four million. So it was a good, you know, from two to four. This year, we actually made a tough decision. Again, I said, you know what, I'm not as concerned about top line revenue, I'm more concerned about our profitability. So we actually, you know, again, we took away staffing and really focused on this profitability model. We went from, I'll say, two, three percent profitability to now the last quarter, we're averaging somewhere around 18 to 20. So a great, and so it just, we've built a better foundation for us that we can grow. We got a, a more diverse customer base, but that particular model in the middle of 2022 was transformative for TAP. So if I had a young entrepreneur here who was just like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to get started because all those were great opportunities to talk about the challenges and how you kind of saw yourself through those. But, you know, what are those, like, what did you learn through each of those opportunities that you would be willing to pass on to a younger entrepreneur? That's a great question. I think I, in the beginning, I, coming back, I think any entrepreneur needs some type of mentor or coach, right? Hands down. Somebody who has been through this before. Now, you know, I had a business coach, but there were plenty of other mentors. I mentioned the Paul Spiegelman, right? He has built and sold multiple companies. I was constantly talking with him. He was giving me advice, right? I have various people, you know, in my network that I've reached out to that I know I can trust that, again, have done this before. So I highly recommend that, especially early on. There's just so much to starting a business. I think the other thing I would say is figure out the marketing and sales side of the business. Obviously, if you're starting a company, you got to have a product or service or something that you're that people want to pay money for. But figuring out the marketing sales is probably where I've put most of my head time on over the last, you know, five years, right? How do we, how do you actually talk about your business? How do you get people to raise their hand and, and, and get interested? Not easy. In fact, it's really, really hard. <laughs> but, and if a business owner is not slanted, if they can't think that way, because not everybody is, then you've got to find somebody that is, right? Because you can have the best product in the world, best solution in the world, you know, since sliced bread, blah, 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 blah. But if you don't know how to communicate that to others to buy and, and get interested, you're going to have a really hard time, you know, growing a company. And, and most don't, right? Whatever percentage of companies that start fail within the first X number of years, thankfully, we passed that, that, that number and, and we're not there yet, right? We, nobody arrives, but that marketing and sales piece. And again, I learned a lot from my coach on that. And I didn't grow up in marketing sales. Even when my dad was in sales, I can talk to people, but I didn't understand really the marketing and sales 
um, aspect of a business. So really, really important. Yeah, that's 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 great advice. I want to I want to. It sounded like I heard coaching in both sides of that, not just the coaching, the sales and marketing. But I want to ask you, what does it mean to be coachable to you? <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, again, throughout my career, I've been through a handful of leadership programs. I mentioned leadership LSU and 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 some other things, but one in particular. This was. Uh, I'm going to say it was back in 2013-ish, taught us a, a leadership program called the Empowerment uh, Dynamic. And again, I, I'll say that even prior to that, I, was, I had a, a personality for this. But one of the things they taught was to be coachable and open and, and be even a little bit vulnerable, right? Especially as a leader. That's a great trait to have as a leader. In fact, one of the things that my current coach tells us is, you know, two words that you want to just throw out of your vocabulary is uh, I know, right? Because, you know, kids, you start talking to, oh, I know, I know, I know, I know. And so you kind of want to throw that out, right? Just to say, you know, be open, listen, because there's always things uh, that you can learn. And so if you looked at my team member expectations, it's going to talk about being coachable, right? And, you know, learning, be a learner and, and, you know, that kind of thing. But it was in that, that leadership program that it really kind of stuck lots of things that were built into that leadership program. But, and I teach my team, I said, Hey, look, be open to feedback, right? I want a culture where we all feel comfortable to point things out. Now you want to point things out in a professional way. If it's, if it's personal, then maybe you need to do that behind closed doors as opposed to in a group, but everybody should be open. In fact, one of the things I have one-to-ones with my leaders, but one of the things that I intentionally put as one of our agenda items is for me to actually ask for feedback and say, you know what, I'm going to open the door because sometimes it might be a little, "Mm, should I say this to John or not? But I'm going to actually say, you know what, what can I do better? And I'm, you know, I kind of envision when I say that, that this wall that might be there just dropped right? So now the wall's down and people feel comfortable to say, well, John, yeah, you know, on this thing, you could have done this differently or whatever. And I, and, and so my, and, and my approach has to be very open and not be defensive and go, oh, well, I could, you know, no, no, no. Thank you for that feedback. I really appreciate it. That's helpful. I will, you know, work on that. And so if they feel that John, the leader is vulnerable and coachable, then the whole team uh, feels that as well. Yeah, it's through the modeling, right, that you create the permission for everyone to do that. So I think that's that's awesome. I want to talk about impact, and I know I know you're just getting started. You know, would you say you're you're six years this month, right? But I want to think about this as a successful entrepreneur and as someone who's going to continue to be successful. What kind of impact do you look to make in your community? It's a great question. I think about that often, right? Because I, I don't take it lightly that I'm a leader of people, right? That I literally, things that I do, you know, every minute, every day can impact people's lives. The smallest things, right? You can smile at somebody at the Starbucks or, you know, the grocery store and kind of change their day. But but I've got this opportunity, and again, I'll take it lightly. I, I really embrace it, but to impact people on my team and, and then obviously our clients. But 
my direct impact is coming back to that circle of growth. I can impact my team, right? I can put them in a position to be, you know, successful in business, but successful in life. I'm a fan of, of work-life balance. You know, one of the, another thing that we, uh, that we do in our, our team meetings, you know, we weave this in too is, hey, I want you to share something interesting with the team, with the group that's non-work related, right? You can pick anything, right? You could, something you did last weekend, but we need to get to know each other, right? We need to know each other so well that we're comfortable. So again, I don't take that lightly. In fact, you know, if you heard from stage, I actually see TAP as an opportunity for me to, to carry out the Great Commission, right? And we work, you know, on a worldwide scale. I've got a a team, about 110 members in about four or five different countries and lots of different faiths. But I'm all about making an impact in lots of different ways. And, and we do that for a community. I'll give you a couple of examples. When someone on our team has a, um, a death in the family, you know, grandfather, grandmother, whomever, even extended family, we uh, intentionally have a, a pool of money set aside that, that we will donate to some charity you know, for, for that particular situation. And we call it the TAP Cares program. So that's just kind of something internal that uh, we do just to say, hey, we're thinking about you. We're thinking, and it, you know, people look at it and go, wow, you, you, you actually, you know, planted a tree or you, you donated to something. And we asked them what they would like. So that's one program that we do. But I'm really big on giving back to the community in lots of other different ways. I'll give an example here in two weeks. We've, so I think this is the third year we've done it, but there's a, a, a gobble hobble, kind of a turkey trot, but it supports the, uh, the Richardson, Texas uh, Boys and Girls Club. And so we donate a certain amount that I think it buys two computers for uh, the Boys and Girls Club. And, uh, and obviously we run the race, but you know, it's really impactful that we can, we can do that for the community. We support, there's another organization called McNeese Kids. A friend of mine, he's got a, his own company, but they take those uh, dollars, they have a golf tournament and, and we're a sponsor of that where they take dollars and uh, support kids that, uh, that need it. There's another group called the, the Alliance for Technology uh, in Women or at the ATW. And so, they are focused on STEM, right, helping uh, get young women, teenagers, and even grade school kids more involved in STEM. There's a, it's, a, mm. it's a men's world in the world of STEM. And so trying to get women who are just as talented to, you know, get into to STEM. So we, we help support that. In fact, I'm going to go speak here in a few weeks kind of on this same topic. Hey, how'd you go from a CIO to CEO? So I constantly think about giving back to the to the community. I love, you know, from an LSU standpoint, LSU has blessed me in so many ways. Way back in, in 1989, I got a, a full scholarship to, to LSU and, and just changed my life, obviously, you know, education, but met my wife and, you know, all that. So uh, a few years back, we, my wife and I said, you know what, let's figure out a way to give back. And so today we sponsor the John and Stacy Ragsdale. There's an engineering scholarship that, uh, that we sponsor. So awesome. just figuring out ways to, uh, to support the community in lots of different ways, wherever we're involved, right? It could be, you know, something of tap. It could be, you know, something personal. Yeah, that's awesome. And look, and as a dad of three daughters, I appreciate uh, what you're saying about creating opportunities, especially in STEM, you're right, which has been male-driven for a long time, right? Yep. So thank you for that. So I want to ask you this, what is the legacy you're hoping to leave behind? 
the legacy I'm looking to leave behind. Well, you know, I, I think about that a lot. I, you know, one for my kids, I want them to, you know, cause they, God has entrusted them to me and my wife. Uh, and so we're, uh, I consider myself a steward of God's children. So I want to put them in a position, you know, for success. I want to put them, I want to teach them the, the things that I've learned and, and obviously, you know, set them on the, uh, you know, a similar passion of the, the Great Commission. So that's absolutely at the heart of, of what I want to do. Again, it's not about me. It's about Jesus and, and my God really glorifying him and figuring out ways that, um, you know, through TAP and, and through the things that I do, how can I glorify him is, is really where my, my heart is. And I, again, I just, uh, I'll share this. My business partner, he's Indian, but he's also Christian, right? He, you know, happened to grow up in a, in a Catholic mm-hmm. Uh, village in, in India. So he and I see a lot of things in a very similar way. So, which is, uh, I don't think God did that by accident, right? I think he put us together so that somehow we could, you know, put our heads together and bring that message. But that's what I really want to do. I want to, you know, in the end, bring bring folks to Christ. And you mentioned it earlier, bring the impact. and And we do that in lots of different ways, right? Really just, I'll say, setting the example and making a difference in people's lives. When I hear, uh, you know, there's a gentleman that works for me. His name is Stephen. Um, really talented. He's, he's our sales engineer. He's worked for me one other time before. And he, over the last couple of years, he went astray and, and had some challenges and was just kind of down and out and, and reconnected last fall. And good, good timing, and he came in. He's done a great job. But you know, he's come to me a couple of times. And said, John, you absolutely changed my life, right? Giving me an opportunity, and you know, we share on a personal level too. But but when somebody comes to me and says, I will work for you in whatever you want me to do because you know you've been great to me. When when people say that, it just you know warms my heart, and I want to do more of that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And I appreciate how passionate you are about. Your faith. I appreciate how passionate you are about the impact that you're making. You know, I would say keep doing it, man. <laughs> this is awesome. It was great to see you. First of all, be the uh, the number one ranked uh, fastest growing LSU company, uh, top 100. And also, uh, we talked about earlier today, but but John also got up at, with the band and sang uh, Hotel <laughs> California, which was amazing and awesome. And the whole time, I'm just like, man, I can't I can't wait till I get to meet John on a podcast. So. Anyway, listen, th- this has been phenomenal. It's been an absolute pleasure to get to meet you and get to know your heart and, and to also see um, how you uh, have had these the, all these amazing leaders kind of show up in your life and see their efforts becoming your fruits. And so I appreciate that. And um, yeah, keep doing this, man. This is, this is awesome. And I, and I hope to see you next year at the top uh, 100 again for LSU. And, and I'm, I'm curious what's going to be on your playlist next year. <laughs> Cause you can't do the same song over again, right? No, no. In fact, last year I did, what did I sing? Bon Jovi. So, uh, you know, I, I do like to mix it up here and there. <laughs> well, John, can I give you, can I give you some, uh, some ideas. Absolutely. Because you seem like a guy that likes to please the crowd. Absolutely. Right? So right now, right now, Taylor Swift is the hottest <laughs> thing out there. So I mean, you know, you may have to like step up your, your Taylor Swift game here. <laughs> right. Maybe a, a shake it off or something. I don't know. I'm not, I, I know a lot of her songs, but I don't know that I've ever sung any of her songs. 
Well, John, if you ever if you ever need to learn all of her songs, you can come hang out in my house uh, <laughs> with my with my sixteen year old, my thirteen year old, and my nine year old. Mostly my thirteen year old, my nine year old. They will teach you any and every. Probably the dances to go with them too, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, John, this has been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and um, and really do appreciate everything that you're out there doing in this world to make it a better world. I know that I love to see the fact that your faith comes first and um, and it looks like you're following that guide. And so as a man of faith, I appreciate that. Appreciate that very deeply. Well, I appreciate you giving me the platform to share. Again, it's uh, it's fun to do. Uh, you're right. I'm passionate about love to do it. And again, I, I appreciate it. Thank you for, uh, for having me on today. Awesome. Thank you.